0: I don't know. It scholar. 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 <laughs> scholar. <coughs> scholar. Hello, my name is Yinka,
1: and I'm Sadio.
0: and this is Scholarly Conversations. You don't sound too happy about that. I am very happy, (laughs) thank you. Welcome again to Scholarly Conversations with Yinka and Sadia. A show where we have scholarly conversations with anyone about anything, because we can. In this episode, the second episode of the podcast, the one about sexuality and religion, we attempt to have a conversation about if it was possible for one to be homosexual and religious... Or, should religion and sexuality be seen as two completely separate entities? This is one of the questions we attempt to answer in this episode. This episode was inspired by a talk at the London Black Pride 2018 by Reverend Roland Jude Macaulay, an openly gay African theologian, in his talk about faith and sexuality. What to expect?
2: christ said that moses gave you the law eye for an eye but i say to you love your enemies you know I me? Mean? You know do good to those who despise you so you want to now work out so what am i going to do i mean if you offend me now do i pluck out your eye because you pluck out mine i think the reality is that we really need to be looking at the scripture text you know that respond to the reality of who we are today and understanding who we are
3: but the Bible does say somewhere towards the end of it that you cannot add or take anything away from this book, and this book is the book that you get me. You should, law, this is yeah. the book of the Lord, and this is the law given to man for them to follow. So, if that is what it says, and if that Bible is what you say that you believe in, and you take everything in that seriously, then you can't. Tim, I just can't see how you can't eat bacon. You can't. Do you, you don't. know. Do, do you know. You All
0: know. that and more coming up in this episode. But for now, adjust your listening devices, increase the volume and enjoy the conversations. Here's the show.
1: <laughs> this is Scholarly Conversations with Sadia and Yinka.
2: The reality is that they don't understand it because when you start to read the Bible further on you know people like Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines you know I can't even break his record the last time <laughs> I checked I had 212 boyfriends <laughs>
0: So, it's- speaking now is Reverend Day. a quick google search and you can find out even more about him he is the founder and CEO of the house of rainbow According to their website, the House of Rainbow is an inclusive, welcoming and affirming religious community to all people, including sexual minorities and marginalised people.
2: You know, tells us about different types of relationships. You know, even Abraham, you know, the, the, the father uh, of, uh, of the generations, you know, had several wives himself. Then of course, you know the other difficulty is whether or not a man and a woman, you know, complement as one. They actually don't. You understand me? Um, you know, you know when God, when the Bible says that God made um, uh, uh, Eve for Adam, you know, it wasn't the fact that people always claim that you know the woman came from the um, from his ribs. That's a lie, a big, 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 big lie. Seriously. Now let me put it to you in simple terms. When we die, we go back to the dust, right? Mm-hmm. For, ni- for many of us that believe in being buried. I don't want to be buried, I want to be cremated. Throw my ashes somewhere. But honestly, no, I'm serious. But I think that the reality is that if the man goes to the dust, does the woman go back to his ribs? I mean, if he's dead, he's gone, so she has to go somewhere. But the reality is that Adam found a woman that was compatible with him. So we need to find the person that's compatible with us. Okay? It's called a HEPA made fit for purpose. Hallelujah. I need a man that's fit for my purpose, to be quite honest. Seriously, because when we get into that moment, I mean, I want to put my head on a man's chest and just hear his
4: heartbeat.
2: Uh, you know, I, I'm so gay, you know, you can't. You can't beat it out of me, it's already there. For my parents trying to. Nonetheless, I know they did, they did. I mean, my, my father's still struggling. You know, but the reality is that my father is also a a minister in Nigeria, big time, seriously. You know, he's friends with Buhari and Good Lord Jonathan, so they both signed that that, uh, law to... Anyway, let's not talk about that (laughs) But anyway, let's calm down a bit. You know, the story of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know? Sodom and Gomorrah is an interesting story. Um, There's nothing about homosexuality in the story at all. You know, seriously, there's nothing in that story that says it's homosexuality. What is important is that it tells us about inhospitality you know I mean there was a time where people were you know coming off boats in the shores of Europe and even countries including Euro- UK were sending them back that was exactly what was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah you know Ezekiel chapter 16 verse 49 to 52 tells us that these are the sins of your daughter Sodom you know they, they had wealth they had prosperity but they did not take care of the need of the poor people that was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. It has got nothing to do with loving same-sex relationship. Nothing at all. Nothing, nothing at all. Okay. So, what's the other thing? Um, the Leviticus one is a very serious one. It, Leviticus was uh, a holiness code. It was created, you know, for the Levites. You know, so. There are some groups that have their own rules, you know, and I I went to an independent uh, Christian church, you know, that believe beyond the Bible. So, you know, things like you cannot smoke, you cannot drink alcohol, you cannot eat pork or product made of it, you cannot wear black or red apparel. I'm not thinking. What the hell is going on? I love red and I love black. Seriously, I mean, in my teenagers, you know, I mean, I used to wear red underwear. (laughs) When my father found me with red underwear, he beat the hell out of me. (laughs) But seriously, when I grew up and I left that particular denomination, I just changed all my wardrobe to just red and black. Seriously, I did. and and I start enjoying bacon like it's going out of fashion. I'm still still here, you know, as a witness, I haven't died. But I think that the reality is that Christians like to make laws that are totally unnecessary. So when it comes to homosexuality, they make extra laws as well, because they're very uncomfortable. I mean, being uncomfortable is because many cultures do not want to see men take on the role of women, because women are subjugated, you know, as properties, first of their fathers and then of their husbands. So we need to change that mindset, you know. Women are powerful, I love women. Seriously, I do. You know, I I think women are amazing and women teach us what we need to know. I'm not saying this for the applause, I really mean it. And I live every day of my life with great respect for women. I think that, you know, men are not the head of women. Women gave back to men, seriously. I mean, every president that is a man was given birth by a woman. If they cannot respect their mother and their daughters, it's big shame on them. Mm. Seriously. Um, so, uh, thank you to the women for the wisdom and for giving men life. You're because. welcome. So,
4: <laughs> so Leviticus,
2: in, in, in other words, is really a law, you know, that is really uh, uh, a law that puts men in power uh, over women, okay? I mean, I was on the program the other day and someone said to me, eh, you know, if, if men and men marry, you know, I mean, if men, you know, these Nigerians, they like to ask me. If, if men and men marry, you know, how are they going to have children? I said, no darling, you continue to have the children, we will adopt them and look after them. Yeah. She was mad at me. She said that, hey, but the Bible condemned it. But you know, the reality is this, like, let me give you an example. Leviticus chapter 20, right, verse 13 says that, if a man lies with a man, is an abomination and they shall be put to death. Right? Now watch this. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 11, two verses before that one says, if a man commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall be put to death. So if we're going to kill anybody, yeah. let us kill those in chapter 20, verse 11 first. Yeah. <laughs> when we finish with the bloodshed, yeah. then we'll look at the homosexuals if it's necessary. Yeah. <laughs> So it's very important that we understand
4: that.
2: So the woman was very upset with me. She said, no, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I said, you shouldn't be talking about it in the first
0: place. Just in case anyone wants to look into the Bible verses he's been talking about, there are two main ones. The first one, Leviticus 18 verse 22. And the second one, 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9 to 11. There's also a third one. Which is first Corinthians six, but this one is from seventeen to twenty.
2: In the New Testament, you know, they talk about first Corinthians, you know, chapter six, you know, verse nine to eleven. And I find it really amazing. And I've been in many debates, you know, with other faith leaders that always say, Ah, you know, wrong to do We're not inherit the kingdom of God and homosexuals. And so I said, Oh god, calm down, my friend. Calm down. Now watch this, honestly. I mean I don't I didn't bring my Bible, but I'll explain it. Now, first Corinthians, uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10 is what the homophobes hold on to, right? They leave at verse 11 for a reason, and I'll come to that in one second. So the first two verses says, wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God, and has a long list of wrongdoing. Now, there are many versions of the Bible that I've lost count of right now. So if you pick up every version, it gives you every different interpretation of, especially the change homosexuality, so many times you'd be thinking that, I mean, who's playing this, you know, game with us? So, um, you know, men would not have, you know, sex with their mankind, sodomite and so on and so forth. It became so difficult that there was another version that says, practicing homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of
0: God.
2: I said, I'm not practicing, I'm actually majoring right now. <laughs> I'm serious, you know. I may be preaching to you right now, but if you see me in the bushes later, just
4: <laughs> just say
2: hello, Pastor Jude. How are you?
4: <laughs>
2: anyway, that wasn't supposed to be a comedy. To be honest, I'm being serious. So the first two verses, you know, the homophobes use it so badly that you can catch them out with verse 11. Verse 11 says, "And this is what some of you used to be." But now you are justified, you are washed by the blood of the Lamb. You see, I mean, I believe that, you know, when the Bible says that wrongdoers, you know, I'm from Nigeria, I know what wrongdoing looks like. (laughs) Seriously, you know, when those police officers stop you and they want the naira? It's wrongdoing. All the corruption is wrongdoing. All the criminalization is wrongdoing. The stigmatization is wrongdoing. So I know what it looks like. So when they now turn to the Bible, I said that the homosexuals are not the root of your problem, you are your problem yourself. So verse 11 is the key, so if anybody's arguing about it, just say to them, can we just read verse 11 together? Because verse 11 says the tone, it says that we are justified by the blood of man. And homosexuality uh, wasn't called homosexuality in 1533. It became homosexuality in 1869, and it was not until 1973 that the Americans caught up with it. You understand me? So they started changing. Homosexuality was not in the Bible. There was no condemnation of homosexuality. In fact, that word was, Paul was talking about the men that like to look after themselves. The men that have cooks, the men that like to look after themselves, the men that wear makeup. Seriously, I mean, listen, it's so hot today that even my tiara must be falling apart by now. But to be quite honest, you know, the reality is that, you know, um, Paul was looking at men, that are extremely effeminate, that look after themselves, you know, that have well that you know, just take care of themselves, manicure, pedicure, you name it. We got it done. But Paul didn't like that, so he was thinking it's time to condemn it. You know, Paul can be wrong. Paul the apostle can be wrong. So, you know, everyone every text in the Bible cannot be taken for his gospel. We need to question everything. So I think that's a good place to pause. So if you if you have questions, I'd like to hear it. So I can respond to the question. Yeah. Okay, come to the mic. Come to the
0: mic. The first question comes from Tolu.
3: Sorry, I'm standing in front of people making me a bit anxious, but um, and I want to first start by saying I respect all religions and love everyone. I used to be a Christian myself, but I find it imp- like Christianity and being a homosexual to be mutually exclusive. Um, the reason why I say this is because the Bible, as you said, says that everything that's in it, you have to follow. So. Just because someone is committing adultery does not mean, you know what I'm saying, that because I'm doing some other sin, like stealing or whatever, means that that's less or anything. We're all committing sin, and we're not supposed to commit sin, right? So if the Bible condemns me and says that, well, you know what? Because you sleep with other men, that makes you wrong. Or because you're a woman and you don't subjugate yourself to men, I can't understand why anyone would decide that that is... a if you, if you want to be that, if you want to live that life, how you can say that you can be a Christian and be that life. The only people that I've come across who I think makes sense to me are the gay Mormons, who basically say that they are gay and they understand that, you know what I'm saying, they feel everything about being gay, they not deny their homosexuality, but at the same time they feel like because the Bible does say that the practice of homosexuality, which is, like you said, being maybe effeminate maybe you know saying, wearing makeup whatever they decide to not do any of those things then yeah that makes sense but everything else i can't i can't i can't justify that in my head and so for me personally i decided that me being a christian just can't happen because i believe in god i believe in spirituality i believe in all various forms of it but i just don't believe that you can be a christian and be gay it just doesn't make sense to you
2: it's a good question and i get it all the time let's give it a i'm gonna give you this Okay. Now, let me just say this to everybody. Um, he's very right about what he said. But the Bible interpretation is the interpretation of the interpreter. If you see, well, the Bible was used to justify slavery. The Bible was used to justify the subjugation of women. The Bible is also used. To justify the condemnation of gay people but I mean listen I I grew up in Nigeria you know um, I I was married to a woman yes and because I was towing the line of what I believe the Bible says and what my culture requires of me but when I came of age you know Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14 says you know we are no longer children being tossed to and fro so when it comes to a time where we begin to understand the Scriptures then we begin to understand what God is saying to us. You know, the Bible has been used for so many things that we need to sit down and begin to unravel the mysteries of the Bible itself. Now, also, in the New Testament, you know, um, Paul was asked a question about virgins. His response was that, I give you my response as my own opinion concerning virgins. People have said that the Bible is the uh, uh, the, the final word of God. Is not. The Bible is not the final word of God, the Bible was put together by men like us in a different time and we need to use our own time now to begin to unravel the mysteries of scriptures. Go for it. No, it's (laughs) alright.
3: Sorry. No, it's alright. You say, obviously, we know the, the stories of Constantine and putting the Bible together but the bible does say somewhere towards the end of it that you cannot add or take anything away from this book and this book is the book that you get me this is the book of the lord and this is the law given to man for them to follow so if that is what it says and if that bible is what you say that you believe in and you take everything in that seriously then you can't Tim, I just can't see how, you can't eat bacon, you can't, do you, know, you, don't, do you do you know, you know, know, know. if yeah. you're going to follow it, I do believe that you have to follow it completely. I, and you if know you what? don't, I, then you're being hypocritical and... No, yeah. it's a good, no, 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 please don't apologize. It's a good conversation, right?
2: Okay, yeah. Yeah. now, let me just, let me just respond to that, you know, yes, it did say, you know, like you said, towards the end of Bible, you know, divorce, it's a book of the law, blah, 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 blah. But you know what, I, someone asked Jesus Christ about divorce. You know, and Jesus Christ said that Moses gave you the law, okay. eye for an eye, but I say to you, love your enemies, you know, I mean? you know do good to those who despise you. So you want to now work out, so what am I going to do? I mean, if you offend me now, do I pluck out your eye because you pluck out mine? I think the reality is that we really need to be looking at the scripture text. You know, that respond to the reality of who we are today and understanding who we are. Let me give you a quick analogy to this as well. I was in South Africa, you know, doing some work for my organization, House of Rainbow. And we were working with a group of Muslims and Christians. And there was this imam, seriously, who said, according to the Quran, there are three ways to kill the homosexuals. Seriously, I mean, my seat must have been moving so terribly, right? And there were parents, about 15 or more parents, who have lost daughters and sons, you know, through homophobic uh, violence and killing in the same conference. And when this guy described the three ways of killing homosexuals, he finally said, well, you know, in South Africa, they have a, a legislation that does not allow me to carry out my religious duties. You know what, at that point in time, I just thanked God for South Africa constitution and said, let's just put the Quran to one side. So sometimes you really need to think about putting your Bible to one side and begin to think about the love of my brothers and sisters, you know, especially when we have constitutions that actually help us to fulfill that. I think that Jesus Christ is my absolute...
0: So, there were so many other thoughtful and insightful things that were said during his talk. However, my phone died halfway through And the last thing you heard was the last thing the phone picked up. We tried to use Leona's phone to record some of the, some other things that we thought was interesting for people to hear. However, Leona is unable to find them on her phone. So we went back to the Reverend to ask him to just summarize his whole talk in six minutes or, or less. And this is what he had to say. Let, um, me, let me wet my face so that you won't upset
2: it can't the podcast. See you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a popcorn on as well. Smell <laughs> good for the podcast. Yeah, go for it. No, you
0: no, no. it. So the question is just like do you think um, you can be homosexual and like be religious in any religion basically? Like or if you want to just focus on Christianity. Well,
2: right, I mean you can be gay and be religious in any faith or any religious um, you know, uh, communities. But I think that the challenge is that a lot of people who are gay, because we've had this whole notion that you're gay and you're an abomination, we tend to just move away from even trying. And I think that is part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, Part of the problem also is that we also fail to pick up the text to study ourselves, so that we can begin to understand, you know, what are the real messages for us. Um, You know, it's the same message if you want to talk about uh, healing, if you want to talk about being good friends with your neighbor, if you want to talk about, you know, uh, how to look after nature, it's the same message for everybody. But unfortunately, because we have lived in times where people have used religion as a weapon of choice against minorities, Mm. it means that those who identify as lesbian and gay in many religious communities and society, you know, took the view that they are no longer welcome. But let me tell you one thing, right? There has been movements, particularly in the late 1960s, that began to form groups of lesbian and gay Christians so that we can have that safe space. So, okay, if the traditional churches don't want us, then we will create our own space. And, you know, we're now talking here in 2018, where some of those spaces are becoming less needed. You know, a lot of churches are becoming more inclusive and relevant and welcoming of the LGBT community. Then the question is that why, do, that why don't we also go and become part of that mm-hmm. movement that is creating inclusive um, you know, spaces and, and environment? Why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that to me is key and important. Mm-hmm.
1: So do you think that, um, so the idea that some LGBTQ people don't feel like um, they can be involved in the faith is that more to do with the institution of the church or more to do with the scripture like what do you think is the main reason for that I, I
2: think the main reason is actually the church itself i mean the church comes with a lot of governance mm. and i think that the part of the reality is that if you join a traditional church that has rules you know beyond the bible then you either abide by those rules or you move away but the reality is that there are many people within those church denominations down to the Catholic and and the Anglicans, for example, where they are beginning to look at more theological conversations around same sex. You understand me? I mean, mean, it's not good enough that you ostracize uh, same sex, uh, same gender loving individuals. Um, How about their faith? Mm -hmm. How about their own journey or their own religious journeys and practices? How about their spiritual life? Do you just say no to that? Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the examples I always give give is that um, If you have twins, say one boy, one girl, okay? And of course, both of them are attracted to men. You're able to walk your daughter down the aisle you know, in one of the sacraments to give them away in marriage, but you cannot walk your son down the aisle to give him away in marriage simply because he's attracted to the same gender. But the reality is that the church will still provide them with the sacrament for their Christian their baptism and confirmation. Then why discriminate against them on marriage? And of course, if both of them die, the church will still give them the sacrament of their burial. But there is one injustice that we see, and that is a blatant, obvious one. So for me, I think that it's really about having that mindset that we need to understand the inclusive nature of God, you know, uh, the inclusive gospel of Jesus Christ is actually unmatchable, seriously. So I think that, you know, this is the time that the church needs to be awake, awake on the matter. Um, For me, I think that the fact that the church can heal itself from the issues of slavery and the subjugation of women also mean that they can turn the homophobia and the discrimination and the prejudice around as well when it comes to gay people. My advice for young people, in fact, for anybody to be quite honest, another young people are actually more open to information these days. And I think my, my general advice is that, you know, if you feel that God is calling you, there is a great reason why God is calling you. There will never be enough you know, um, let me just use the term gay pastor, lesbian pastor, there's not going to be enough of us. But the more of us means that we have the theological capacity to provide pastoral care and support for like-minded people. I mean, if black people, you know, refuse to study theology or be ordained into ministry, where do you think we will have, you know, um, you know ministers that understand black I people? I
4: finally met you! you know. <laughs> today!
2: That's amazing, that's amazing. Today. I well, agree.
4: Very
2: really good, that's so good. <laughs> so you can see, I mean, the excitement is there. Come and mm-hmm. say hello. Yes. But I think that it's really important that young people begin to embrace their own theology, mm-hmm. their own interpretation. But you know, I mean every time I remember watching Twelve Year a Slave, there are a number of interpretations of the Bible where the slave master interprets the Bible from their social location. You understand I me? Mean? The free slave interpreted the Bible from their own social location and the same as well with those slaves who are still in bondage, you know, that kept on saying obey thy masters. So you can see, I mean the masters is also saying obey thy masters and still we're flogging them up. Mm -hmm. You know. But then of course the bond slaves are saying obey thy masters because your reward is in heaven. But today we have turned that theology around because it's no longer relevant.
4: Thank
0: you. (laughs) You're listening to Scholarly Conversations with Sadia and Yinka.
1: Thirteen Muslim countries, or at least parts of them, impose the death penalty on people who practice homosexuality. It's illegal in a handful of other countries too, and it's seen as a dire sin by many, especially because of the extreme preaching of some renowned Islamic scholars. Even many self-proclaimed moderate Muslims believe that gay people should be banished or killed. But Despite this, despite the constant spewing of hatred against members of the LGBT community, there are several Muslim LGBT groups that bravely continue to fight for their rights, if at least for the right to exist without fearing for their lives. The Qur'an's mentions of homosexuality aren't that different to the Bible's. The main allusion to it comes in the form of the story of Prophet Lut, or Lot, and the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, in which the inhabitants of the cities were found guilty of several crimes, the men coming to lust with other men being among them. The Qur'an essentially doesn't take a favourable view towards sodomy, but there's no mention of the death penalty or societal banishment for those found guilty of these acts. These ideas come from exegetical works, and yet such ideas are often taken as gospel. It's clear that the Qur'an generally condemns sexual indecency, or zina, According to interpretations, this includes any type of extramarital relation. Homosexuality isn't specifically pointed out here, but the acts of the people of Lut are mentioned in the Hadith, or the sayings of the Prophet. But in my view, even if you see homosexuality, the acts of sodomy themselves, as a sin, In order to not be a hypocrite, you have to see it as one that is on par with other sins, including premarital relationships, which are typically seen as normal in the eyes of many moderate Muslims today. People hate what they don't understand, and everybody has their vices, their struggles, but nobody deserves to be a victim of relentless hatred just for existing the way that they are. And if moderate Muslims can be friends with people who are guilty of carrying out the major sins, Um, for example shirk or polytheism, murder, charging or paying riba or usury, and even slandering innocent women, which by the way is a major sin, then I'm sure you can learn not to hate gay people. Love is the way, people.
0: That's all we have time for on this second episode of Scholarly Conversations, the one about sexuality and religion. But before we sign off, some quick thank yous. Thank you to everyone who made this episode possible. Thank you to Toby, Pastor Jide, thank you, Leona, for recording this episode with me. Thank you to the House of Rainbow, the London Black Pride, for organising such an inclusive event. Eden and Lauren, it was amazing to meet both of you. If you'd like to join the team, follow us on Instagram at scholarlyconvo. Remember, opinion is the medium between knowledge and ignorance. So go and have yourself a scholarly conversation today. Until next time, this is Glory by Dermot Kennedy.
4: He never dared to say The one the lighthouse left alone Never saved A set of eyes at Pingo Became his version of a kingdom Now I know they'll never haunt me When she's singing to me glory oh, She's singing to me glory She's singing to me Corey, glory throat, She's singing to me Corey, glory Think about you, you know. She's singing to me glory some ravens by the same, but suddenly she's all I know, an old refrain, a set of eyes and in the Cambridge version of a kingdom, now I know they'll never haunt me, when she's singing to me, glory, she's singing to me, glory, singing to me, glory, To me, glory. She's singing to me, glory. She's singing to me, glory. And think about you, and know she's singing to me, glory. Became his version of a kingdom. She's everything the devil can't be, and she's singing to me glory. The of eyes, a kingdom. Became his version of a kingdom. She's everything the devil can't be, but she's singing to me glory. Yeah.